This is Soundmaking, a podcast made by Hogan Stenner and myself, Matthew Shlomovitz. Each episode of Soundmaking features a composer or performer discussing the how and why of music they've created. In this podcast, you'll hear Berlin-based composer Thomas Meadowcroft talking about his piece Moving Homes, recorded and mixed for Australian and German radio in 2016. This 40-minute long piece is part of a trilogy dealing with imaginary soundscapes set in Australia. The final work in this trilogy, Talk Back Burnback, will be broadcast later this year and featured in another episode of Soundmaking. You may access Moving Homes for free in its entirety at the abc.net.au web link provided with this episode. This is uh, cyclone music. This, this is cyclone. That's not proper cyclone music, but you need the emptiness of the object, mate. This is that's not we need the emptiness of the object. The right music. The tropical cyclones. Just saying. Is the emptiness of the object as expressed in sound as for the thing in and of itself well that's terrifying Apology, Sean, twice as powerful, twice as devastating as Cyclone Shirley. What? More powerful than Shirl? Shirley, sorry, Shirl. What can local residents do against Sean? I mean, Dawn, Shirl. Well, I don't think it affects me personally, but it is a nightmare. A town gripped with fear, power loss, communication loss, eerie calm, complete and utter devastation. Best severe tropical cyclones coming up in the next hour. The 1960s, all your smash hits from the 1970s and 80s. And the 1890s, the noughties, the 2000s and teens, maybe even into the 20s and the 30s. Uh, but first, going all the way back down memory lane with the retired names of severe tropical cyclones from the 1970s. Ada. Category 3, Severe Tropical Cyclone, January 1970. Althea. Daisy. Category 3, lasted 7 days. Severe tropical cyclone, February 1976. 
crossed the coast and took 200 roofs with her. Ted. Category 4 severe tropical cyclone. December 1976. Hey. My name is Thomas Meadowcroft. I'm a freelance composer and I make orchestral and chamber music for the concert hall as well as music for theatre and radio. Uh, Although this is coming at you from the internet ether, today I am sitting in Berlin, Germany. What you just heard is a little extract from near the beginning of the radiophonic piece, Moving Homes. It's uh, just setting up the piece where the listener enters into this radio space, specifically that of late night talkback am radio so the piece moving homes was made in 2016 as a commission from dorchan radio Kultur and the australian broadcasting corporation and it's part of a group of works that deal with imaginary musical soundscapes and soundtracks set in australia uh, the first work in the series song bus lines maps interstate bus routes moving homes here is set in an imaginary small town in far north queensland fnq where a cyclone hits and the third piece, Talk Back, Burn Back, which will go to air later in the year, uh, involves the cutting up of original CB radio recordings of volunteer firefighters who were tackling the bushfires in the 2019-2020 summer in Australia. Um, on an anecdotal and biographical note, all these pieces were made in a state of homesickness for Australia, I guess. I mean, I wouldn't have made them if I'd been living in Australia permanently the last years. They were also made, forgive the oxymoron, as a search for an inauthentic, authentic Australian music, a kind of grafting of minor traditions and subgenres, as, for example, in song bus lines, which combines country and western guitar licks with ambient string quartet writing and moving homes here which makes reference to all kinds of things like Californian sunshine pop and surf guitar, 1950s tiki jazz and 1970s Japanese pop exotica. Now, a cynic would say that musical eclecticism is the sonic equivalent of a supermarket shopping, but when I got to Berlin after my studies in the States, I started to look around to see where I fit in and I realised that my training had prepared me for a tradition which didn't sit so well Uh, as a suburban Australian kid of the 1970s, I guess. So much of the tension of pretty much all the music I've been making is involved in trying to work through this problem of belonging, as as pithy as that may sound. So, as I said, Moving Homes is about a cyclone hitting a small town in far north Queensland. And what got me interested in this initially, again, anecdotally, if you'll allow me, was that in 2011... The area where I grew up got hit by a bad flood and I was listening to Australian regional talkback radio while cooking in the kitchen in Berlin. And I decided to call in to wish my cousin Andy and Uncle John oh well because their farms were underwater. And the next day it transpired that cousin Andy was listening at the same time that I was calling. It was 5am in Australia and he couldn't sleep out of worry for damage to his farm. Uh, Now, I recount this story because it embodies both the anonymity and reach of radio, but it also demonstrates the very intimate and private properties of the medium. So what was going on in 2016 when I made Moving Homes is that I had come off a big arranging job and the thing that was drummed into me through my training in classical slash new music composition was the search for original style 
as the, uh, the sort of holy grail for a composer. And arrangement had nothing to do with this grubby business of self-expression. And this was a relief to discover. Uh, I was also listening to a lot of pop music that you might bill as a long tradition of imaginary music ethnographers, through the tiki jazz exotica of Martin Denny and Arthur Lyman to the 1970s Japanese Pacific pop of uh, Hiromi Hosono, Shigeru Suzuki and Tatsu, uh, Tatsuro Yamashita. So in trying to find a tropical South Pacific sound for the piece, I was trying to graft the piece as well onto this tradition, which in a way is a fake tradition. Now, the conundrum though, when you start move, start using pop music idioms or moving in pop music idioms, is that if they don't sound good, you're going to sound like a snob. So this is the challenge I set out for myself when I was making Moving Homes. On reflection, you know, the problem with the late capitalist subject is that we want it all, right? We want to smoke and go jogging, lose weight and eat like kings. And so with Moving Homes, I wanted to position the work in a lofty intellectual way but also make it sound good. Um, Anyway, when it came to making the piece, I also thought about this melange of musical styles or subgenres that I just mentioned as, as like objects that get tossed around in the wind when a cyclone hits stuff in high rotation. So I just made a whole bunch of little vignettes that could then be joined to make a larger dramaturgy for the piece or tossed out. Some of them made the final cut. As for the dramaturgy of the piece, it goes something like this as an intro, setting up of the talkback radio space, which you heard before, the arrival of the cyclone, done as a horse race call, the eye of the storm, which is in mono, nasty organ chord, quotation from French disaster philosophy, specifically from Paul Virilio. My apologies to Francophiles listening for my pronunciation. And then there's the other side of the storm where the roof comes off the house and there's a man and woman from the local surf club who have been surfing on the mad waves generated by the cyclone. Then the whole thing comes down once the cyclone passes and the humidity sets in. And there's a long rumination on the loss of objects. This rumination centres on the texts of Immanuel Kant, specifically a key text from Critique of Pure Reason. Um, There are relationships to things as experiences and there are relationships to the experiences themselves. So what he's saying is you've got a relationship to an object, let's say your phone, then you've got a relationship to your relationship with the phone. So why Kant and cyclones? Well, there's a couple of things here. Cyclones obviously are about there's a certain trauma that comes with the destruction of material of the material order, that is the house, and the symbolic order, that is the home. So when you get a tropical cyclone, which is obviously a horrific event, what happens is you get through the event, come out from underneath the mattress in the bathroom, and you go outside and all your shit is on the lawn and all your neighbour's shit is out on the lawn. Object fear basically. Back around 2016, when I wrote the piece, I I read um, Tim Morton's Hybrid Objects, just as an aside. I mean, composers are always dangerous with critical theory and like Jean Baudrillard was for the creative arts in the 1990s, so was Mr Morton's book around this time. Now, I was somewhat frustrated with the book and I read a couple of scholarly articles, some of them quite harsh, whereby they were accusing the movement of object-oriented ontologies, kind of dressed-up commodity fetishism. Um, but some of them were a bit more sensitive and they were suggesting that Kant was already dealing with the otherness of objects in the critique of pure reason already. 
Now, practically speaking, as I said, the piece was commissioned for German and Australian radio, so it was important to, to, to get German text running in this. And it came to me that although there is no mass migration of German immigrants to far north Queensland, like there was, say, in the States in the 19th century, what would it mean if after the cyclone event, if all the locals came out and started speaking in tongues, that is citing Kant, which to me ostensibly and probably tragically, given the shape of my German, is what Emmanuel Kant can often sound like. You heard What do you want to say, mate? Oh, I can hear it. Kant war ein richtiger... Excuse me? Immanuel Kant? Who? Emmanuel Kant. Oh, yeah. So the piece was made in the same manner that all the three radio pieces were made. I, I made some charts and then I went into the radio studio with musicians and we recorded the charts in different ways and also did different takes using different playing styles. So clean pass, a pass with lots of breath, or a lot of bow noise, a pass that was incredibly soft and so on. So for all the pieces, actually, I've had the good fortune to work with a number of great players with fantastic chops. So I, and I could then take, the, take back these recordings and they were expensive recordings, right? Good players, good mics, good room, etc. And then work with them in the home studio, assembling them alongside more cheaper sounds, for example, out-of-the-box MIDI instruments. In some cases, there were backing tracks given to the players in the studio, but then I would take the backing track away in the final version or work with it in that manner. Or in Moving Homes, for example, I recorded Robin Haywood, the world's leading experimental tuba player, to come in and record various colours of noise, which, which, was an obs- which was an obscenity in a way given his talent. But it may be the most expensive white noise generator ever recorded. So I say that insofar as there's two economies working here really, like when you have poor people and rich people living aside, uh, alongside each other. And this is something that is a bit of an obsession of mine with regards to the, the political economy of m- music making. So Moving Homes is a type of music concrete using high-end instrumental music fragments done in the studio combined with stuff, for example, vocals that were done in the bedroom cupboard and then done in the studio using U87 and juxtaposing these, these different technologies and different sound qualities. So the layout, the dramaturgy was put together at back at home and once the piece was put together I went back and did the mixing in the radio studio for a week because although as composers we're asked to be good neoliberalists and be our own managers, filmmakers, publicists, website designers and so on, you need a professional audio engineer to get the details of the mix right. Anyway, to bookend the show with music, this following extract begins with a recounting of the material stuff on the lawn after the cyclone has passed before it moves into a meditation on the loss of objects. Okay, let's go. 
Folglich wir von keinem Gegenstande als Dinge an sich selbst, sondern nur sofern es Objekt der sinnlichen Anschauung ist, es ist als Erscheinung Erkenntnis haben können, wird im analytischen Teile der Kritik bewiesen. We can have cognition of no object as a thing in itself, but only insofar as it is an object of sensible intuition, that is, as an appearance, from which follows the limitation of all even possible speculative cognition of reason to mere objects of experience. denn freilich die Einschränkung aller nur möglichen spekulativen Erkenntnis der Vernunft auf bloße Gegenstände der Erfahrung folgt. Gleichwohl wird, welches wohl gemerkt werden muss, doch dabei immer vorbehalten, dass wir eben dieselben Gegenstände auch als Dinge an sich selbst, wenngleich nicht erkennen, doch wenigstens müssen denken können. Denn sonst würde der ungereimte Satz daraus folgen, dass Erscheinung ohne etwas wäre, was da erscheint. Even if we cannot cognize these same objects as things in themselves, we at least must be able to think them as things in themselves. For otherwise, they would follow the absurd proposition that there is an appearance without anything that appears. <lacht> 